Every day during this great and terrible pause, the Cood Street Podcast has been calling up readers and book lovers from all over the world to see how they're coping with all of this madness, what they're reading, what they'd recommend, and what they have out in the world. Today, I'm joined by newly minted Hugo Award winner and Jewel Nebula Award winner Amal Al-Motar, who's currently sweeping the field with a novella she co-wrote with Max Gladstone, This Is How You Win the Time War. Amal joins me from somewhere in the wilds of urban Canada. Hello, Amal. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? I am very well. How are you coping with the madness? How are you? I am okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am, uh, you'll have to excuse me, I'm not at my best, uh, in in the words of uh, my married into country folk. Um, but uh, it's, uh, yeah, not, you know, things could I mean, how do I knock on wood? Things could always be worse, uh, as the week continues to prove. Uh, so not, <laughs> I, so I am okay. I'm in, I mean, yeah, it's, things are okay. What won a Hugo last weekend. So that was good. Congratulations for that again. Very well deserved. And it seems to be the, the story of, of, of the year of the moment, uh, which actually must be kind of a strange experience. How's it been? Oh man, it's been wonderful. Um, it's it's been every honestly like with as 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 awful as everything in the world has been um, since actually more or less Max and I began writing this book. I mean, we we wrote we wrote it in 2016. Um, the writing retreat at which we started writing it uh, was where. Like we we were there when we uh, when the Brexit uh, referendum passed, um, and then you know we finished writing it in the wake of the uh, of the American election in that year. And despite you know the world being um, a sort of swirling maelstrom of awful badness, uh, the book's progress through the world has just been one relentless sustained note of grace uh throughout like it's just been overwhelmingly wonderful to see uh the ways in which people have responded to it like i mean i get i get tagged in stunningly beautiful fan art uh on twitter and on instagram um people have told me that like if this had happened once that would have been enormous but it's actually happened multiple times that people have told max and me that they got together with their partner because of the book. Like wow. there, there we've like there have been some people who have um over the course of reading the book with their best friend realized they were in love with their best friend. Uh and there are other people who, you know, um introduced each other to the book and then became lovers shortly thereafter. And like I don't know, there there are several of these stories and that just like it just makes our, our heads explode with with joy and gratitude that something we wrote can be part of other people's love stories in this way. Like at, at um, the Dublin Worldcon last year, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um, two people came to my signing line and they weren't asking me to sign the book. They were asking me to sign their wedding program because they had used wow. lines from the book in their wedding ceremony. And, um, and, and that's just absolutely incredible to me. So uh, so, so it's just, it's just been magnificent to experience. I mean, all genuinely all awards aside, the fact that this book has found its audience so passionately and joyfully is everything that I 
had ever dared to dream to like dare to dream about this book's reception in the world. So I'm, I'm very, very happy about that. And it's been a balm, honestly, uh, <laughs> throughout everything. Mm. It's, it's been very, it's, it's been comfort and it's been joy. Do you think that the success of time war says something about the way the, the readers actually respond to intense tales of love and romance, which you know, on, on pin the entire story in a way that science fiction doesn't normally acknowledge. You know, I think that's interesting. Um, I think there's been some of that. I think that, I think that a lot of people who aren't accustomed to reading romance uh, and aren't accustomed to encountering um, a certain kind of intimacy I think it's not even necessarily to do with romance, but a certain kind of intimacy in their fiction uh, have been sort of taken um, by surprise, perhaps, with this. Um, the, uh, I mean, the, I've, I've seen, I've seen a lot of people responding to it, saying, you know, they've never read anything like it, and they've, uh, and and you know that it, it made them cry or it moved them in a way that other books haven't, and and that to me speaks more to. Um, what people are used to reading than it does to like the uniqueness of our achievement or anything like that. You know, I think that, I think that we, we can as readers become, uh, we can accustom ourselves to certain flavors and textures uh, so that something that enters our reading palette uh, with sufficient difference can be, um, you know, a a life-changing experience. Um, And so I think maybe, I think, so a provisional yes, probably. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, a, a lot of, I mean, the thing is that for me, I, a lot of the um, the science fiction that I really deeply enjoy, you know, has has that intimacy to it. Like, I think of the other, you know, uh, the fact that Arkady Martin's um, A Memory Called Empire won the Hugo for Best Novel um, is sort of testament to that to me as well, that there, I mean, I adored that book. That was my my favorite novel that I read last year. I'm so happy to see it win. Um, but uh, it, it's another book that is, while it is extremely, absolutely science fiction, you know, there is a core of not just romance, uh, which there is in that book, but that that sort of almost unbearable but necessary intimacy of you know having another person in your head with you uh, in the Ooh with the Imago technology and stuff like that. And I think that it's easy to have an assumption about science fiction that is that science fiction is abstract and idea based and stuff like that. Um, And to see that as somehow mutually exclusive with human intimacy, but it's not. And, uh, and, and I think that, you know, getting more of that in our fiction at a time, especially now that we're all so isolated from each other, um, I think is uh, is something that is having to do with people's reactions to this. Yeah. Well, you and Max wrote Time War. You're saying you started in 2016, so it's had a long road out into the world. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, over the last six months, have you been able to, to read, to write, to work? Are you able to function in that way at the moment? It's been, uh, it's been very hard, actually. Um, I, I, th- I found it very hard to read books which was very difficult because usually I read books for comfort. And <laughs> I mean, I read books for comfort also for work um, as a critic and stuff because I, I write for the New York Times book review. 
And, uh, and it was very, very hard uh, on a couple of fronts. One that um, there, there was the logistical side uh, of that kind of work for me, um, where a lot of publishers were pushing forward the publication dates of their books, which I had already read in order to put them into a column, which was due at a certain date, uh, and all of a sudden didn't have time to read like a whole new crop of books that, you know, had to fit within this, this very specific publication schedule. So that was that was difficult, lots of things cascaded, uh, deadline wise, but there was also the fact that I was I was teaching remotely for the first time. Um, I was teaching remotely for the first time. Uh, I teach at the University of Ottawa. So uh, there was a, a steep learning curve there. And what I found would happen was that even though, you know, the students were fantastic and the uh, technology was like actually enabling me to do some things that I might not have been able to do before and stuff, um, it would leave me uniquely exhausted, like exhausted in a way that I can genuinely only compare to um, to brain injury, actually. Um, and the sense that, like friends of mine who have experienced uh, concussions, um, you know, have to endure this period of absolutely no stimulus. You know, you can't read books, you can't listen to music, you can't watch TV. You basically just have to sit and, and, you, can, and you, you can't just sleep either. You have to kind of just sit and not think. Um, and I found myself, yeah, I found myself in the wake of like two, like it was like six hours of teaching over Zoom a week um, for a six week period. And I would find that I would finish that. And then I would just be unable, like I couldn't talk to my husband. I couldn't do anything but sit on the couch <laughs> and stare into space for about 20 minutes before I managed to wind down enough to fall asleep. And like, I've never been a napper. I just found myself needing to nap for like three hours in the day after, after these experiences. So that was really difficult. And I think that also had a, a big knock on effect on my ability to just read books, but there came a turning point. Um, and this is like to, to dovetail into like the, what am I reading <laughs> at the moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there, there were two books that I read in quick succession that um, that somehow like broke my brain open again and and made me able to not only read but to like enjoy reading again. And uh, the first of them was a collection of short stories by Elwyn Cotman, um, and it's called Dance on Saturday. Uh, Small Beer Press is putting it out. Um, I think next week I think August 14th is when it's uh, being released and it's, it was just magnificent it, it was a, a truly stupendous talent uh and like it was like the, I think I, I ended up reviewing it um my the review's not out yet but I compared it to like listening to jazz harp like just something mm-hmm. something that um just feels like a music on an instrument that you don't expect to hear that music on or something. And it was just so beautiful. Um, the other one uh, is, which I loved even more, honestly, like th- this is definitely a contender for the best book I've read all year um, is um, Micaiah Johnson's the space between worlds. And okay, it, yeah. it's just, it, yeah, it, Oh my gosh! It, it had a, I think it's had a simultaneous um, UK and US release. It's yep. just magnificent, and it's a debut. It's one of those debuts that makes you go, "How dare you be so?" 
out the gate. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just like the the core the core concept just staggers me with how fierce and succinct it is. And uh, and then from there, it's just it, it's it's a book that managed to stay two steps ahead of my expectations throughout because the voice was so riveting and the, and I just like, I never found myself, I just found myself so immersed in whatever was going on in the moment that I didn't have my, you know, critical reading brain able to turn on to be like, well, I see where this is going because I, there was no point. It was just like, (laughs) no, you'll see where this is going when you get there. It's just, it was so good. So I, I extremely loved it. Excellent. Well, actually, since we've talked about what you've been reading, let me ask, given these times, and I don't know, I mean, the times are stretching on so long, it's very hard to get a feel for a discrete sense of any moment of the fog that is 2020. Are there books that you'd recommend to people at a time like this, you know, whether they be challenging or uh, comfort reading or whatever it might be? Um, I realized I just got the order of these wrong. I should have said, I should have been recommending those books um, (laughs) because they are what what fixed my brain, uh, at least in this respect. Um, And and what I am reading at the moment is not actually accessible to people because it's like Max's next novel, uh, which is phenomenally Hmm. good. Um, Actually, it's, (laughs) sorry, I'm I'm doing this so wrong. Inside his stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, gosh, what, so in terms of recommending things to read, um, you know, <clears throat> I'd actually recommend a lot of comics. Um, yeah. For 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 me, sometimes um, sometimes what I need when when I can't get myself to focus on on a prose novel, uh, and there's always that moment, right? Of like, is it the book or is it me? You know, is it me just not yeah. being? Uh, in the right place and stuff usually what that means is that I need to read some comics um and uh there are two things I'd I'd extremely highly recommend uh one is it was actually on on the Hugo ballot um the uh new series called Die by Kieran Gillen and Stephanie Hans um which is uh Kieran describes it as (laughs) goth Jumanji (laughs) um but like (laughs) The, the general the general premise is that um, like 20 years ago a bunch of kids uh, started to play a D game of some well started to play a role-playing game and got sucked into this fantasy world um, <clears throat> and then a, and then managed to leave it uh, but one of them got trapped in it and stayed behind and the beginning of the series is them, going back into that fantasy world that they entered into in their teens, but as adults, as, as adults specifically, like in their forties. Um, and, uh, and, and it's, it's just riveting. Like the art is so gorgeous. I could, I just kind of want to eat it up with a spoon and, <laughs> and it's like, and the, the premise, I mean, like, um, you know, with the wicked and the divine, um, which was, uh, Kieran's project with, uh, with Jamie McKelvey, um, there, and also with like Fondogram, his his uh, their their previous project together, well, not their previous their their first project together. Anyway, years ago, um, I, I like Kieran has these um, 
meditations on mortality or on generation and on like your identity as relative to your age and your place in the world as a consequence, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel that that dovetails so much with a lot of the discourse that's very frustrating about, you know, generate generational warfare, you know, like boomers versus zoomers or, you know, millennials are killing everything and gen X who even talks about them, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, and anyways, it's just I, I always find him to be a really uh, a really thoughtful artist where these things are are concerned, and and I just love to see what he does with it. So Die is magnificent. I've only read the uh, no, I think I read, yeah, the first two volumes um, are out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's I extremely recommend just just finding comics. I think the other comics okay. that I, I read a lot are on um, there's an app called Webtoon. <laughs> um, okay. Yep. Where um, I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm delighted to have been introduced to it because there's all of this. Just it's just teeming with talent um, in a in a totally different format than I'm used to reading web comics. I, I started reading web comics when I was, you know, a teenager, and they were a new thing on the internet. Um, and you know, they were very much replicating the kind of strip a day uh, thing from newspapers. But what I'm seeing people doing with Webtoon, which is extremely optimized towards mobile, um, is that their comics are organized in favor of the vertical infinite scroll um, so that you don't, you don't get like the same the same sorts of divisions of space. You don't get the same sorts of um, you, like the, the storytelling shifts to accommodate the medium. Right. And so I've been extremely enjoying uh, a, a few series on there. And um, and I would just like recommend people just dive in and, and look for the color palettes that appeal to your eyes and uh, and, and find some, like new brilliant creators uh, on there. Well, let, let me ask you this: sort of having talked about what you've been reading and what you'd recommend, uh, I know Time War obviously is out in shops around the world at the moment readers can uh, chase it down but let me just ask you this what have you been working on do you have anything new coming out in the world or is it going to be a little while yet before we see the next thing from Amal El-Motar I think it's going to be a little while uh, with the exception of um, obviously I have a poem in uh, a Ooh. certain gigantic book of dragons uh, that uh, that is recently out and stunningly beautiful the collection not the poem the poem is fine but the mm. collection is truly truly beautiful. Right. um it's uh you know with the illustrations by rovina kai and is, is it kai or is it k uh i think it's kai but i mean don't in fact no don't quote me I, i've never actually <laughs> had a chance to ask sorry well, i think it's that too but i don't know right my apologies if it's wrong but um it's just such such beautiful art um and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm looking forward to diving in and reading everybody else's stories in that. For myself, most of what I've been working on this year is really exciting and has been extremely satisfying. Um, but it's all, whether or not people will see it is uh, in the hands of the Hollywood gods, uh, because it's <laughs> pilot script for the uh, This Is How You Lose the Time War TV adaptation. So um, we like, I mean, so there's this option on Time War, this TV option, and they have hired us uh, to uh, write the pilot script, and we're also co-executive producers on it. Um, if it happens, so so we've Max and I have had an absolutely brilliant time um, working together to kind of 
expand the book out of being this very tight two-hander into something that is populated, you know, with other characters. Mm. And and it's it's been literally exactly like writing fan fiction of our own work. Um, mm-hmm. So delightful. Um, and uh, so I've, we've been really, really enjoying that. And we finished it. It's been brilliant learning experience, um, like genuinely the best kind where you – you, you learn not so much by failing, but by incrementally making something better <laughs> until it's the thing <laughs> you want it to be, uh, which, is, which is very heartening and satisfying. I've never written a screenplay before. This was our like my, my first experience of it. Max had. Um, but uh, when I was feeling a little bit um, daunted by the process or, or by like the difference in our experience, he said, look, the difference in our experience is the difference between someone who can do no push-ups and someone who has done one push-up. <laughs> and, and <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so anyway, that, that was most, of, so because mostly um, I've been working on that and I've been trying to uh, finish finally, Genuinely, this was going to be done this year, but then a pandemic happened, uh, my doctoral dissertation. Um, that's kind of been in the way of writing new creative things. Uh, but uh, but Time War remains out in the world. And if people continue to uh, buy it and share it, uh, then that will be great. And it will make um, Max and my next collaboration that much more likely. Uh, we're definitely going to do one. But, you know, whether it appears in the world is is sort of in other hands. But yeah. Well, I have to say, I've really, really enjoyed talking to you this morning. And thank you so, so much for making time to talk to me. I genuinely appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really, really lovely to chat. Hey, everybody. We try to avoid rampant commercialism here on Cood Street, but I'm in the middle of doing something special. Right now, I've got a new book out, The Book of Dragons. I'm proud of it. I love it. And I'm delighted to say that for US listeners, we are giving away 10 copies in conjunction with Harper Voyager. If you would like to be in the sweepstakes to win your own copy of The Book of Dragons, hardcover, wonderful illustrations by Ravina Kai, and some great stories, including by Brooke Bolander, Daniel Abraham, and others, please go to the show notes, sign up, and you could get your own free copy. And thank you for your support. Thank you for supporting the book and for supporting the podcast.